There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the latest flow of an ongoing trade war, China has hit back at President Trump. There it goes again. Our everyday normal. The beginning of a mass extinction. It's something we've learned to live with. But in 2020, that chaos arrived at our doorstep. And it became almost impossible to hear ourselves over the noise. Maybe you found yourself falling into a black hole, scrolling through news stories about panic, riots, anxiety. Statistics suggest that depression in adults has doubled during lockdown. Then seeing old photos from happier times, buying discount flip-flops online and wondering if you'll ever get to wear them. Hey, no judgment from me. Sometimes it's just about doing whatever you need to to get through the day. Focusing on the things that make the world feel normal. Taking peace where you can find it. Now, for a lot of people, myself included, some of that peace can be found in music. And when it comes to music that soothes the soul, music that takes you elsewhere, music that reminds you of how good life can be. There's a name you'll hear come up a lot. Ludovico. Ludovico. Ludovico Einaudi. Ludovico. Ludovico Einaudi. Ludovico. This piece of music that you're hearing right now comes to your ears directly from the fingertips of Ludovico Einaudi. It unlocks something in me. It's very pure. It's very simple. When I need to feel like I'm in a beautiful place, that is the music I go to. Which tells you a story. There's something about that music that feels very, very hopeful. And it can take you and transport you to the place it is that you want to go because the music itself is space. This is experience. The Ludovico Einaudi story. So, that name, Ludovico Einaudi. Maybe you've heard it before, or maybe you haven't. The thing about Ludovico, or the maestro, as they call him in Milan, is that he lets the music do the talking. And that music has spoken very loudly to a lot of people. I'm Joe Dempsey, by the way. I'm an actor, and if you know me from anything, it's probably as Gendry in Game of Thrones. But I digress. That has got nothing to do with Ludovico. My own journey with the maestro begins with a film called This Is England. This Is England, directed by Shane Meadows, told the story of a boy growing up in the Midlands in the early 80s who falls in with the far right. Now, when that film was made in 2005, I was 18 and attending the Television Workshop, a now legendary drama group for young people in Nottingham, already synonymous with providing young actors for Shane's films. I was desperate for a part in it. 
So when I didn't even make the grade for an audition, it's safe to say I was pretty gutted. When the film came out a year later, I remember walking into that cinema with mixed emotions. I was, of course, beyond excited to see a bunch of my mates on the big screen in a Shane Bloody Meadows film. But there was also that part of me, the actor, I guess, the ego, that wanted my favourite director to have made the mistake of his life. It should be me up there. In the end, though, as the credits rolled, I was blown away by the images and performances I had seen on the screen, but also by the music that had accompanied them. That score was provided by Ludovico Einaudi. It was one of the big turning points in his career, just as it was for so many of my friends from that workshop in Nottingham. And ever since I heard that music, I felt a very deep connection to it. In the years since, I've been lucky enough to get a little bit closer to Ludovico, in my career and in my life. Shane finally ended up casting me for the sequels to This Is England, which continued the story as a TV series and once again heavily featured Ludovico's music. But the truth is, for all my adoration, I still don't know that much about Ludovico, as a man or as an artist. So that's what this is all about. Join me as I explore the world that Ludovico Einaudi has created through interviews with heavyweights of cinema like Russell Crowe, the ability to have that soundtrack, that music, is the very thing that takes something special into a different kind of realm, which just means that it gets blazoned into our hearts or into our heads. Eric Toledano, director of The Untouchables. We told him, you can say no, we are totally associated. This movie and your music are married now. We can have a divorce. And my old boss, Shane Meadows. And I realised this music had set me off. I was suddenly back in this place and feeling really like I did when I was that age, and this music had done that. Follow the butterfly effect as a note travels from a piano key through a microphone and finds its way into the hearts of millions of listeners. Every time he releases an album, which usually is completely different to the previous one, it gains a new audience. You'll hear from Ludovico's closest collaborators. Ludovico was playing the piano like he was crawling up a mountain. He was like the most intense. The artists who've shaped him. Of course, I remember when he came to the places in Mali. I think he enjoyed a lot of my band called Symmetric Orchestra. Those who have found solace in his music. I feel like I've been granted this tremendous gift by just having this music to inspire me. And finally, join us as we sit down with the maestro himself. I started to walk alone in my strange, wild territory that was only mine. I felt it was my garden, it was my, my trail. Deep breath now. Sink into your seat. Episode 1. Ascent. There are a few places this story could begin. We could start in a grand apartment block in Turin in the 1950s. Or I could pull the curtain up on London in 2010, show you a crowd of thousands at the Royal Albert Hall holding their breath. We could ask the man himself where he thinks it all kicks off, or his collaborators, the people who know him best. But I don't want to do that yet. I want to start it all as far away from Ludovico, the person, as I can possibly get. I want to start with the music. Out in the world detached from the man who made it. 
That means talking to the people who live with that music, who take inspiration from it, who experience it. In other words, the fans. So that's where I'm going to begin, with them. Hello, I'm Nick Bailey. For 25 years, I was at Classic FM. If I want to tell that story, of Ludovico's music and its ascent, then this seems as good a starting point as any. With a DJ at a classical station in the UK trying to wrap his mouth around an unfamiliar name live on air. I had no idea how to pronounce his name. My Italian pronunciation wasn't very good. In fact, Ludovico was all right, but his surname, I took a stab at it. And the stab was Einaudi. This was back in the mid-90s before you could Google this kind of thing. Back then, Nick got bombarded with music on a daily basis. Picture an overflowing pigeonhole, bursting with CDs in plastic wallets, each one begging for his attention, hoping to find the ears of the station's millions of listeners. There was a lot of fluff, perfectly serviceable, ultimately forgettable. But occasionally, something would cut through. This particular record, which was called Le Onde, struck a chord with me. It was just something I'd never, ever heard before. It was mesmerising, hypnotic, and I couldn't get enough of it. When I said I wanted to trace the journey of Ludovico's music, well, this is an early pit stop on that journey. I was the first person to play it on UK radio, and instantly we had so many people ringing up the station. What is that music? And that was how Ludovico Ainaudi was introduced to the UK. It's also how the entire English-speaking world ended up mispronouncing his bloody name. It was only many years later when Ludovico came to Britain that I realised the true pronunciation, if it's E-I in Italian, it should be A-Naudi. Yeah, sorry about that, Ludovico. Turns out we've been mangling that one a bit. The thing is, by the time Nick realised his mistake, it was too late, because this unknown composer just took off. People would ring up and say, can we have the composer that Nick Bailey likes? There were people who would meet their loved ones through his music. People would just feel relaxed and energised. They just loved his music. They couldn't, they couldn't get enough of what this new composer was, was on about. So the name, mispronounced as it was, stuck. Now, you'd think that might be a bit of a bugbear for a musician, everyone getting your name wrong. But apparently not. Ludovico, very gracefully, when he came to Britain, said, I've accepted that I'm known as Einaudi. So, only seeing as it's all right with the maestro, we'll carry on as we were, tracking the trajectory of his music and butchering his name whenever it comes up. One of the things that was clear to Nick right away about this new composer, Ludovico Einaudi, was that he was hitting the mark with a different kind of listener. The music was particularly popular with students because it was something they could have on in the background without intruding. Which is how that music found its way to another big milestone. I used to listen when I was revising to Classic FM because I, I couldn't really deal with songs with words because it would distract me and I'm very easily distracted. And I just needed something to try and focus my mind a little bit that voice will be familiar to you if you're an early riser in the UK. It belongs to Greg James, who's now the host of BBC Radio 1's Breakfast Show, where he's one of the first voices heard by five million people every morning. But before that, he was one of those students that Nick was talking about. A kid who liked to cram to a bit of classical music. And I just heard it one day, and I heard the track I Giorni, 
and immediately fell in love with it. It makes me feel calm and it reminds me of my first year at university, I think. And it reminds me of um, my first proper university or my first proper life girlfriend, Claire, who I'm still really good mates with and we used to listen to it and I would actually, I would actually sort of call up Classic FM and try and request it. Yeah, it makes me feel very happy. It reminds me of a very happy time in my life. Fast forward a few years and Greg James has started his gig on BBC Radio 1, playing chart hits and dance anthems to an audience of mostly very young, pop-minded listeners. We were doing, uh, as we always did back in the day, like a revision week. <laughs> sort of Radio 1, revision week. And I just thought, well, this, this has been going on for years. How can we mix it up a little bit? So I decided to play this track and just say, if you're distracted like I am, if you've got a brain that sort of can't focus very easily, then try this song. It was kind of a throwaway moment, just a chance to share a piece of music that meant something to him. But the effect was surprising. It just made everyone stop and listen. You know when something's connected, and this properly connected with people, and um, it sort of snowballed from there, really. Greg kept on playing E. Gioni to his listeners sandwiched between tracks from Ed Sheeran, Nicki Minaj and David Guetta. And the thing was, it sort of made sense there. I guess it's pop music. And he would say that he writes pop music, but without vocals. I think the ultimate collaboration would probably be Ludovico and Robin. You know, the queen of the sad pop banger. They're sort of sad classical bangers. His listeners liked it so much that Greg started to formulate a plan. We decided to make it a, a hit, or try to, and see what would happen. This was back in the old days when he didn't need to do much streaming, and it was just downloads and whatever. So we did this concerted effort to see what would happen, and we got it into the chart. It got to 32 in the official chart. <laughs> e giorni. A vocalless contemporary classical composition in the UK pop charts. A Ludovico number, released a full decade previously, sitting there in June of 2011 in the company of Adele and Lady Gaga. All because Greg James's listeners had connected with this piece of music, had heard what he heard in it. For Greg, that whole experience was a bit of an eye-opener. Yeah, it was a watershed moment for me because it, maybe for the first time I really felt like myself and I was putting a bit of myself out there. And it, it didn't go wrong. It didn't go pear-shaped and people respected that and they responded to that and they responded in a way that I never thought they would do. And actually they got where I was coming from and I suppose they got, they got me a bit more. And in the years since, Greg's done some thinking about why that music landed with his listeners. Because I think it makes you introspective and it's evocative in that way. And it's, I guess it's sad and people like to wallow and people like to be reflective and people like to be nostalgic and, and they like to <laughs> be the main character in the movie of their life. Which is something you'll hear a lot, that there's something about this music that just grabs you and announces itself as the new soundtrack to your life. I'll be very curious to know if other people have the experience of having, like, I remember particular places that I was when I heard particular tracks that became important to me, because it's like, you know, almost immediately 
oh, this is one that is going to be with me for a long time. This is Lee Bardugo. She's the author of Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows, big, immersive fantasy bestsellers you might find on your teenager's bookshelf, or your own for that matter. One of those moments came for her a few years ago when she was in the writing room of her house in L.A. I was... I believe finishing my third novel and back then I had a habit of when I was working I would turn music on uh, not in the room I was in or in my headphones but in the room next to me and I think I had a local classical radio station on and I heard this piece of music in the other room and I was deep in my work but it really drew me out of it and I thought it was so compelling and different and I went into the other room and waited to hear what the track was and that was time lapse a piece of music half heard in the background that stops you in your tracks a moment you could easily miss but that ends up changing everything I can kind of trace that first moment of interest to deep love it moved very quickly because I was about to leave on a trip to my very first writing retreat I had never gone on one before and that's really where a bunch of writers trap themselves in a house and force each other to work through the power of peer pressure and occasional happy hours and I was listening to those tracks while I was traveling and as soon as I touched down and got to wi-fi I grabbed the whole album and I wrote my book, probably the most popular book I've written, Six of Crows, listening to in a time lapse on loop, just again and again and again uh, for two weeks while I was at that house. The thing about someone like Lee is that she knows how rare that connection is. Writers, and I am sure all artists, are obsessed with the idea of where ideas come from and how to access states of deep work and of flow. So anything we can do to make those things accessible, we will do. Which is why those two weeks meant so much to her. It was a powerful enough experience that I actually mentioned it in my acknowledgements for the novel. And ever since then... He is the composer that I draft my books to. So what is it about that music that harmonizes with Lee's creative process? I can point to some things. I know a lot of writers write to film scores, and certainly a lot of his music has a cinematic quality. But I find that his work doesn't manipulate you in the way that some scores do. And I don't feel like it is showing you exactly where to go. I think it's opening doors to you, and then you're deciding where that door leads, and you're somehow brought to the state of creative choice by the music, but it's not just making the choices for you. And since Ludovico opened that door for her, Lee Bardugo has turned to him time and time again when she's in need of alchemy. There are two pieces that I come back to again and again. One is Waterways which for me creates this deep sense of peace that is not necessarily about being calm, but is about being creatively inspired. It's the piece of music I want to hear if I'm looking out at a forest, if I'm 
feeling grateful and calm. This piece of music really deepens that and those early cello chords are like a tonic to my brain. I think many creative people have busy minds and there's something about this music that focuses that unquiet mind. It's music that guides her, creatively, sure, but also just generally in life. The second piece is Four Dimensions, which I have a very clear memory of hearing for the first time. I was lucky enough to be in Italy. It was at the end of a writing retreat, and I had woken up before dawn to get my ride to the airport. And I was sitting by myself in the back of a car looking out at this beautiful landscape as the sun rose. And I had this piece playing. I'd never heard it before. I felt deeply lonely in that moment, but I also felt glad to be lonely. There was a real beauty in being there by myself and knowing that I was watching the sunrise and hearing this music in this kind of moment that I knew I would remember even as it was happening. Lee Bardugo has never met the man who soundtracked some of the most important moments of her life. And to be honest, she doesn't feel that she needs to. I feel like I've been granted this tremendous gift by just having this music to inspire me and to be this tool for moving through the world and this, this point of access to, to other states and to imagination. But does that mean she's not even curious to find out what he's like? I think there's some interest always in the artist, although being a writer myself, I always fear disappointing people who come into contact with me after coming into contact with my work and having a relationship with it. So I try not to put too much weight on that. But I can tell you, you know, I've I've been to see Ludovico twice live. And the first time I was driving there in Los Angeles and there was heavy traffic and I was going all the way across town. And I thought, why am I doing this? What's the point? You know, I, I have this beautiful music I listen to and why do I need to see this live? And I couldn't have been more wrong. Getting to see the musicians play with such exuberance and intensity was absolutely transformative. He had his back to us, but you didn't feel closed out. It was this deep, I keep using the word deep, but that's really what it is. It's like you're falling into this well and coming up in an ocean in another side of the world. And you have this moment of experience with all of these people in this darkened hall where you are the only people who are ever going to hear the music played in this particular way. And he didn't say a word the whole time. That was incredibly powerful. See, I told you Ludo likes to let the music do the talking. That description of bodies crammed together in a concert hall, sharing in something completely unique, that feels all the more poignant with everything that's happened over the last year, doesn't it? Obviously, the Ludovico live in concert experience has been off the table, but that doesn't mean that people have stopped looking for a version of that communion. 
So my name's Meg Tarquinio. So I work at Spotify. I've been there the last seven years and currently I head up our curation strategy team. So what that basically means is that she's the overlord of Spotify's big blockbuster playlists, like the ones you put on when you need a soundtrack to exercise to or to cook with or whatever. If Lee Bardugo can give you a sense of the powerful impact a piece of music can have on an individual, Meg Tarquinio is someone you turn to for the big picture. The big streaming platforms draw hundreds of millions of listeners every day. So working at one gives Meg a pretty good insight into the ways people listen to music. And she definitely saw some changes at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, I think at the start of everything earlier in March, we definitely saw people really coming together around music more. So a lot of upticks in social sharing, people making collaborative playlists and music just kind of being that social object that can bring people together. She also clocked a change in what people were gravitating towards in their listening habits. I think we also saw people searching out more calming, low energy, chill music. Which makes sense, right? There's been a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety in the world, so people have been looking for ways to mitigate that. If you found yourself plugging into one of Spotify's calming playlists like Peaceful Piano with its 6 million subscribers, then you likely would have heard some of Ludovico's music on there. He's a mainstay on collections that are designed to help you access peace. So from Meg's professional perspective, why do her team of playlisters keep turning to him again and again? Oh, many reasons. I think the accessibility and the deceptively simple melodies. So there's a memorableness and a kind of way that his melodies seem to transcend genre that really brings people in. So I think just the resonance of that kind of minimalism and the the emotiveness of the music and its ability to really provoke profound feelings in listeners. And her approach to building playlists isn't formulaic or algorithmic. For Meg, it's about finding music that can transform your experience of the world. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think that's the power of, of these kinds of playlists, of these contextual playlists, is that they really do for an individual's life what a music supervisor might do for a film. So it's all about kind of heightening the moment, bringing them into the moment or out of the moment in a way that the perfect sync or score might do to a specific scene in a film. It's worth mentioning at this point that Ludovico is listened to on platforms like Spotify, Apple Music and Amazon more than a million times a day. So we arrive at the final stop on a journey that begins with a man sitting down at a piano and ends at a million sets of ears all over the world each day. A million different moments soundtracked by his music, a million different stories aided in the telling by his fingertips. What I get out of listening to his music is what I get out of uh, the best kind of art and, and kind of what I'm always looking for in an artistic experience or even in an experience with nature or any kind of thing. I guess I'm a bit of a neo-romantic, so you could boil it down to essentially some take on the sublime where it just is this ability to kind of provoke really enigmatic feeling beyond any kind of specific definable emotion. You know, like you get chills when you listen to Elegy of the Arctic. As soon as it starts, you're just ugh, stilled. Stillness, calm, 
piece. There's a vocabulary around this music, a few key words that crop up no matter who you speak to. They're words that get thrown around a lot, particularly when the world feels so chaotic, but there's a lot of meaning behind them. That's something that Elizabeth Coombs understands. Okay, I'm Elizabeth Coombs. I've been a music therapist for 20 years. Elizabeth does what any therapist does. She helps a lot of different people, all of them facing different challenges, all of them requiring different treatment. And she helps them, as all therapists do, by talking through whatever it is that's going on in their lives and by offering guidance. But the guidance that she offers, well, part of it comes in the form of music. Which, you know, it might sound a little new agey, and there is an aspect of the mystical to what Elizabeth does. For me personally, music is something very special. I believe it has got spiritual qualities, and I feel a very close attachment to it. And I think any music therapist would say that as well. The reason that we all became a music therapist was because there was something really special about our relationship to music. But there's also a lot of science to it. Recent advances in science have enabled us to look much more closely at what happens to the brain when people play music or listen to the music. And this slightly more scientific approach, I guess, when you link it to the very special way that people feel a connection with music, gives us a really holistic way of looking at the way that music can support us. You've probably guessed by now that Elizabeth often works with Ludovico's music. I was working with a client who'd had a very traumatic experience of being involved in a road traffic accident. And just as she was overcoming those difficulties, she experienced significant bereavement of one of her parents. And those two very traumatic things together caused her to really go into a state of freeze. Working with her, we chose Commune Fiore, When we listen to the music in a relaxed state, having done some simple breathing exercises before, the client actually, as she was listening to it, her eyes began to fill with tears. And when we came to the end, she said, that is the first time I've actually felt safe enough to experience the loss of my parent. There's just something about that music. Whilst it allowed her to experience sadness, there were also feelings of hopefulness in the music. I wonder if that's something that resonates with all of us. We can project and use the music to experience our emotions, and yet there's something about that music that feels very, very hopeful and gives us almost a sense of how resilient we can be as human beings. Resilience. There's another word with a lot of meaning behind it, particularly at a time when we've all struggled to stay steady. So the big question is, where does that resilience come from? And what's it like to see it, up close and personal, at work? I got off a plane in Milan, went into Ludovico's flat, and he sat at the piano, and what wasn't a film became a film. Join me next time as I edge closer to the man behind the music. The word for that is humility, you know, he is very humble. We're stepping deeper into the Ludovico experience. Those notes are inspired by him watching the mist passing through or a butterfly. 
by talking to the musicians who walk out onto the stage beside him. Ludovico came with his manager and said, guys, I love to show, I want to make music with you. And the filmmakers who bring his art to the big screen. His son knew how much his father loved Divinetti, and he learnt it and played it at his father's funeral. That's the first time I heard Ludovico Einaudi. Experience the Ludovico Einaudi story is a cup and nuzzle production. It's presented by me, Joe Dempsey, and the series producer is Frank Palmer. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.